0: Hello, this is Mike Kettle and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hop Union. Welcome to the 13th episode of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Bines. Today, we're very excited to be joined by FieldWorks Brewing, John Galger, uh, the head of <laughs> brewing uh, uh, at, at FieldWorks in, uh, in Berkeley. Uh, big big uh, baseball fan, big oh. Oakland A's fan, but uh, most important, the maker of very good beer and, uh, and somebody we love to work with as, as a brewer uh steve uh, what's going on in in uh, in hops this week in uh, in yakima
1: nobody really cares because the mariners are winning and that's the important thing in life <laughs> right now <laughs> a- actually uh, the hops are doing quite well i had the chance to get out a little bit and look at some hops i'm actually looking forward to uh, making a quick trip down to idaho tomorrow to see how things are doing down there but uh there seems to be two uh, two types of hops here in the Yakima Valley. Uh, we, we had kind of a warm May. Uh, a lot of guys chose to go ahead and put the uh, hops on the vine earlier than normal just because they were anticipating some warm weather. And then a lot of guys uh, made the decision to pull the vines down and kind of go with a later training date. Um if I were guessing based on what I saw yesterday, I'd rather be one of the guys that kind of delay training a little bit. Um, I think they're going to hit this thing just right. And the guys that did early training might be looking at some early bloom this year. It's, it's early to tell, but that that's my guess right now.
0: How, how much of that was a function of, uh, obviously we had that heat early on and, and things shot up, but then, uh, you know, some of, some of the growers I saw, we we talked about it a little bit. Some of the growers were able to, uh, pull it back they had the labor to do and others didn't have the labor this year right and so it got a little bit away from them right
1: labor was a little bit of a factor for some folks uh it's expensive to go back in there and just pull everything down and when the labor supply is short it's it's even more expensive and it's it's tough to get the people out there to do it but uh, i think most of the guys that did that are are thankful they uh, spent the extra money and uh, proof will be in the pudding we'll we'll know at harvest time whether it was a completely right decision or not. but uh, uh, so far it looks like the uh, the right one to make.
0: As you say you'll you'll have your uh, you'll have your crop estimate in October. Uh,
1: we're, we're always hundred percent accurate with that October crop estimate when we get every bale in the barn.
0: When do you get to a point when you are say, ninety five percent confident about the crop size is it uh, is it mid-august or is it first week of September or do you really have to wait through all of harvest to get to that uh, uh, level of- I,
1: I would say we're probably eighty five to ninety percent confident uh, at the beginning of harvest you, you just can never okay. tell we we get you know you you can be spot on with your crop estimate and they get some some labor uh, some uh, weather events during hop harvest and and that can affect you uh, if you have rain and wind and disease pressure, that type of thing. But it's eighty-five to ninety percent sure right before harvest uh, that you, that you're going to hit it pretty close. All good. Well, let's yeah, let's.
0: Uh, that's enough of the hops for the moment. Let's get John on. Then. John, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Have you you've been up to Yakima, right? You've gone through harvest. You've seen that, right? And uh, experienced uh, what selection is all about and the harvest is all about.
2: Yeah, I went up uh, last year and had a great time uh, selecting with y'all uh, among some other uh, hop suppliers and uh, it's really exciting, uh, a lot of fun to be up there and really have a big impact on uh,
0: what we're going to do throughout the whole uh, next year. What, uh, what's been popular for you guys so far is, is, you know, recipes, we've talked so much about that with our different guests, recipes are changing uh, some some vari- or some uh, styles or varieties are gaining popularity. Others are losing some popularity. What's going on at FieldWorks?
2: Well, we've always been a big IPA brewery here. Uh, we've constantly just gone through and rotated our IPAs to the point where if you come in one Saturday and come in the next Saturday, there'll be three new IPAs on the board for you. Um, but the main thing that people seem to be wanting right now are are our hazy IPAs, and so we've been cranking out a lot of those. But with a uh, summer right around the corner, we're starting to bring some of our uh, West Coast uh, IPAs back as well.
1: Hey, John, uh, by the way, Nicole says to say hello. Uh, she, <laughs> she knows we're doing the podcast, and uh, she's a big fan of yours and your beer as well, and she said to say hello. But I'm enjoying, while I'm on the podcast here, one of your beers, it's called Scream Citrus Scream. And, and I'm just scratching my head trying to figure out what variety of hop must be in here. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Man, alive, that's a great beer. And I, it looks like you were going for a hazy IPA and making that beer. And, and if so, you nailed it on the button.
2: Yeah, thank you. Um, citrus still has uh, been just the uh, favorite hop of uh, our drinkers for the most part. I mean, they like a lot of the... Uh, Southern hemisphere hops as well. But for the uh, North American citrus seems to be, uh, our consumers favorite. I'm more of a, uh, Amarillo mosaic guy, but anytime we put citra in the name of a beer, people go crazy for it.
1: Good. Well, it's, it's certainly a good beer. You, you guys, uh, I think that's one thing you strive to do down there for my brief time and my visit there uh, a year and a half ago was, uh, try to have something different for your customers every day. And, uh, It must be fun to be part of a creative uh, brewing crew that has the job of of doing that.
2: Yeah, one of the the main things that we're striving to do is just make it interesting for our brewers uh, day in and day out. So it's not just constantly making uh, the same beers over and over again and getting a little uh, kind of bored with that, but just trying to always do different stuff uh, to see how it comes out and just uh, keep everything interesting.
0: You know, we uh, we always love to celebrate the successful beers. What what's a beer or two, uh, John, that you've made in the last year that you got done making? And you said, "Geez, this is just terrible. Let's dump it." Uh, you know, uh, what 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 kind of experiments did you did you do that did not work out? Um,
2: well, we've done. I mean, sadly, like most breweries, we've had to dump some beers. But uh, one of the ones that hit hard, we tried to make a beer and just dry hop it with i think we went with almost 17 pounds per barrel and then that beer uh just did not come out well we ended up uh, extracting a lot of bitterness on the cold side and we kept trying to wait and see if it would uh soften up a little bit and it just never did
1: i'm not a brewer john but i'd I'd suggest maybe trying 18 pounds next time just to see how that (laughs) works
0: So the grid, the good thing about it, when you have that many hops and you can have your beer and you can have a salad at the same time, kind of, you know, <laughs> so you, get all, you get your, you get a couple of food groups in at the same time. Yeah. That's uh, true. So Don, you've, uh, did you grow up in Oakland? Have you always been an A's fan or are you, are you, uh, more of a general baseball fan?
2: Um, well, I grew up in Sacramento and so okay. Sacramento is kind of a melting pot of, uh, A's and, uh, Giants fans, uh, but when I was growing up, there, the River Cats came up, and they were uh, they were the A's farm team at the time. So, mm-hmm. so I've always been for my uh, passion of baseball more of a um, an A's fan than a Giants fan. And uh, now, uh, especially living in Oakland, I've definitely cemented it as uh, strictly A's, not uh, not too fond of the Giants uh, anymore.
1: I know you're pro- you're probably busy uh, brewing all the time, but do you get a chance to uh, head out to a ball game once in a while. Yeah, well,
2: it's pretty convenient for us because I can just walk to a BART station from my house, and that takes me right to the Coliseum. So oh, perfect. Every when I get a chance, I like to, uh, you know, grab a couple beers and hop on BART and have them in the parking lot, and then go. Uh, hopefully, watch the A's win. Yeah,
0: great. Do you have? Uh, does the Coliseum have field works in in the stadium that uh, that fans can uh, purchase? Uh, no, we don't sell
2: any uh, Fieldwork beer in the Coliseum, um, but there's plenty of great craft beer, a lot of local beer. Uh, you, I usually go with a nice uh, Drake's uh, 1500 Pale Ale
0: when I'm out there. Oh yeah. Now it's, it's a huge stadium, right? I mean, it's. Uh, it, I think it still has the most foul ball uh, area in in the major leagues. Is that right?
2: Yeah, well, it's one of. Uh, it's either the second to the last or the last uh, multi-purpose stadium. Um, yep. And so part of that is why there's such a big uh, foul territory, which uh, the A's pitchers have been pretty fond of.
0: When you were uh, when you were growing up in Sacramento, did you get out to some River Cats games? And were there some uh, up and coming players that have now made it to uh, the major leagues that you remember watching?
2: Um, yeah, we were able to go out and uh, Rayleigh Field up there is a lovely uh, stadium right on the uh, river. And, I mean, I didn't go to too many games going up. I remember uh, Barry Zito coming up through there. uh, Oh, yeah. And that was uh, pretty exciting seeing him pitch uh, when he was a young uh, player.
0: Big left-handed curveballs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've got got one of our our chief information officer, Danielle Clapp, moved up from Sacramento, and she's telling us it's really become a great beer town as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. The uh, beer scene up there is –
2: gotten pretty big and i know that we actually have a, a tap room in midtown that uh is pretty popular i know my parents are sure like uh driving up there to uh, get some of the beer
0: how, how much of the beer you're selling is uh through the through the tap rooms and how much are you distributing through you know kegs or cans at these days
2: um i think that we move about 30 percent of our beer through our tap rooms and the other 70 goes out to uh, accounts um and we do about 98 percent of our beer in kegs we've been doing a little bit more and more uh cans but for the most part that's just uh kind of special beers and all the beers that we can we'll sell directly through our tap
0: rooms and you said you're doing three new uh beers a week that is an amazing schedule
2: well at least three new ipas but we've been uh, switching it up Uh, we'll put out some new pails and uh, double ipas and uh and loggers and all sorts of types of beer and then uh occasionally we like to bring them back uh, when uh the customers uh, demand it and we also uh, really enjoy the beer as well
0: yep that is amazing well it's a great neighborhood where you're at too it's uh it's a vibrant part of uh the berkeley neighborhood and uh it's got to be a lot of fun to be part of the community there oh yeah it's great uh all of our uh, local customers are
2: awesome, and it's nice being able to just have a uh, leisurely bike ride into the brewery in the morning and another
0: one uh, heading home. And you just, uh, you recently had a baby, if I remember right, correct? No, I, I recently got married.
2: Uh, that'd be oh, a jump in the gun a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you never know. You never know. But anyway, yeah. So that's going to keep you busy for a while, too, huh?
2: Oh, yeah. Does
1: she like baseball?
2: she does and she also likes beer so it uh oh, works out pretty
1: well marriage made in heaven <laughs> wonderful yeah so yeah remember
0: so, the old uh the old movie the diner and uh i can't remember the actor's name he's a baltimore colts fan and he's talking about uh, getting ready to get married and uh he's talking about uh, his his girlfriend and whether or not she'll become his insane wife and he says i'm getting ready to give her the football test and if she can't answer him I'm sorry. It's over. It's out
1: of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so, uh, John, uh, who's your, uh, currently who's your favorite uh, Oakland athletic?
2: Well, I've been really, uh, enjoying Matt Chapman's play. Uh, it's nice to see a third baseman that, uh, kind of carries on the tradition of, uh, Erica Chavez, uh, sure. where he just sucks everything up and delivers a, a steamer right to first base that you don't think would uh, be able to make
1: it. He's, I think, going to be a gold glove candidate before his career's over. I've been impressed with him, too, at third base. And and he's got, uh, I think, 10 home runs this year, hitting for power. And uh, he's got a good long career ahead of him, I think.
2: Yeah, I just uh, hope that that career uh, is with the A's and not with another
1: (laughs) team. Well, with Billy Bean, you never know, right? Uh, He's always looking for value, it seems like. Yep, (laughs) uh, Chris Davis is having a good season, too. I know he was hurt for a while there, but uh, I think he's got 19 or 20 homers now. He's right there on the home run race. And uh, that guy has really been uh, a Mariners killer over the years. Uh, He just seems to come up with home runs whenever they're up in Safeco or playing the Mariners down there. Um, He's a good ball player as well.
2: Yeah, he's he's been having a really nice year and uh uh hopefully he'll start getting more home runs with a uh, with a uh, base runners on instead of just uh, a lot of these single home runs that he seems to be hitting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then Jed Lowry, he he seems to be having an all-star season as well. Um they've got uh, I'm always impressed by Oakland. They they're never out of a race. It just seems like they're always hanging around there if they uh Uh, aren't there for a division title they're there for uh you know that wild card spot and uh they they seem to be able to do it by uh, going out and getting getting value players that are hungry to win and uh young and and uh and inexpensive but it's uh, it's impressive watching uh oakland year in and year out yeah yeah it's
2: been a lot of fun a lot of ups and downs and I mean, the A's are doing all right this year, playing about 500 ball, but it's going to be hard with uh Houston and the Mariners doing well, and and it looks like uh, the AL East is almost guaranteed to get one of those wild card spots.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the Red Sox and Yankees are at it again in that division. Um, they're they're doing real well, and uh, Seattle has the uh, Red Sox coming into town tonight, so that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how that test works out for the Mariners, where they can keep keep winning or not.
2: Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, there's still a lot of baseball to be played, so even losing a series here or there shouldn't be the end of the world.
1: That's true. It's, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, so uh, that'll <laughs> be interesting to see uh, how things uh, look here in another month or two.
0: You know, in a way, the uh, the A's of the early '70s, back when uh, Charlie Finley was the owner, were kind of like the craft the the craft brewers of baseball, right? Remember, they had those crazy uh, uh, uniforms. He wanted to introduce the orange baseballs. Yep. He's the first guy that hired the, a full time pinch runner. I think his name was Herb Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was uh, he was he was he was very creative, uh, kind of you know. Maybe before that, Bill, Bill Beck or something like that. But Charlie Finley, had uh, he had some creative thoughts about how to make baseball interesting and more exciting. And uh, they're the original craft guys of Major League Baseball in a certain way.
2: Uh, yeah, they definitely uh, shook it up and uh, changed the way the game was kind of played uh, for a little bit. Um, but
1: And, and they yeah. were kind of, you know, with the exception of, of Reggie Jackson, of course, Catfish Hunter as a pitcher, they were kind of a no-name team back then. I mean, before they had that run in 72, 73, and 74, they had, you know, Gene Tennis and, and Joe Rudy. Uh, Sal Bando really wasn't. Sal Bando, Bert Campanaris. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, eventually Raleigh Fingers was the uh, closer. Um, and I'm sure he might the Blue, uh, Blue,
0: John Blue Moon. Blue Moon. Moon Blue Moon.
1: Yep, that's right. <laughs> Um, they had
0: they had they had uh, craft beer names even Mudcat, Grant, Blue
1: Moon, Odom, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Raleigh well, Fingers, I'm sure he just laughs at the modern day closer, you know, because he was asked to come in a lot of times in the sixth inning to close the game out for, for Oakland back then, and and didn't complain. Came in and usually got the job done. He had that he had that great handlebar mustache too. He was a brewer. Oh, yeah.
0: they, these were guys were brewers.
1: Absolutely, yeah
0: hey john tell us about field work uh when did field work started uh, start and uh you know how, how did it evolve into such a great brewery
2: um well we started in uh 2015 we uh opened up right around the time of uh san francisco beer week um and since then we've just kind of grown a little bit and we kind of capped out about a year and a half after that we just ran out of space at our current facility and uh, didn't really, we don't really have the ambition of growing uh, bigger than we are right now. Just we do that as more of a, a headache than it's worth. Um, but from the, the get go, we were all about just rotating our beers, uh, not with the same frequency that we did now, but the idea was go into a bunch of accounts and you'd see they'd have an IPA handle, but they would constantly rotate who uh, the uh, brewer was. And so then uh, we thought, like, well, why don't you just get, make that a fieldwork handle and we'll rotate the IPA for you. Um, and yeah. And how did you yourself get involved in brewing? Uh, well, that goes back to a uh, college at uh, UC Santa Barbara. I was uh, consuming some beers with my friends like uh, a lot of uh, college students <laughs> do. And then uh, one day I went into a friend's house and I saw a bucket that said more beer on the side of it and he told me about home brewing. And uh, so I started doing that a little bit. And then one day I decided uh, electrical engineering wasn't for me and uh, someone told me about the UC Davis Brewing Program.
0: And I went there and never looked back since. Very cool, very cool. And so you've been with uh, FieldWorks right from the beginning, right? Um, I was. I started here uh, the fall of the first year in business.
2: And what were you doing immediately before that? Uh, I was just brewing all around. Um, We moved to the Bay Area because uh, my wife, Sarah, got a job at Cal. And so I was just kind of floating around looking for a good job. And when I saw that fieldwork was hiring, I pounced on it and uh,
1: it's worked out pretty well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, you guys are doing an amazing job making beer. I can tell you that. That's uh, a fun place and my guess is uh, you guys continue to grow. What, what what barrelage are you guys at right now?
2: We're, we were just shy of 16,000 barrels last year, and we're hoping to squeeze a few more barrels, uh, a few more thousand barrels out of our uh, brewery, but uh, all without adding uh, more tanks. So it's a little bit of a struggle with uh, balancing the beer schedule, but if everything goes right and uh, too many, we don't have to dump too many beers, uh, we should be able to get to about 18,000 uh, this year great
0: that's fantastic that's a nice pace that's real nice pace yep so john um, um what are you going to come up and try to select for you know we've got the different harvest windows what uh, what's the are you going to be trying to focus on when you come up? Citra, because that's your mainstay is that the idea um we'll probably be a uh,
2: citra and mosaic uh, those are kind of our biggest our biggest hops that we are uh, use the most of but um also getting some uh, nice amarillo uh yeah i mean just pretty much any hop that's aromatic is what we're really looking for and uh, just the way we brew we don't use too much bitterness so it's all about those uh, aromatic uh, varieties
0: great and you'd mentioned uh, you, you guys like to use some of the southern hemisphere hops is that australia or new zealand or something other than those two um it is those two we were playing around a little bit with uh, some south african varieties but uh
2: they're a little hard to come by. Not that uh, the Australian and New Zealand hops aren't uh, hard to come by as well.
0: What, what, what are you using out of New Zealand?
2: Uh, well, we have some Galaxy and uh, we've been uh, using some Enigma that we uh, also really like.
0: I haven't had the Enigma yet. Have you had that one, Steve? I've had Galaxy, of course, but I haven't had Enigma yet.
1: I obviously have heard of the hop uh, and, and hear good things about it. Uh, I can't remember trying a beer recently that has it in there, but uh, they do a great job down in New Zealand. They've, they've got a lot of good uh, hop varieties that uh, Fieldworks and other craft customers uh, like to, to try in their beer. Um, and, and, and they seem to do a good job uh, in terms of uh, sustainability and uh, growing hops with uh, minimal impact to the environment as well. So um, we uh, uh, love working with uh, those New Zealand guys down there as well. And Are you pulling anything out of Europe,
0: Uh, Jen?
2: uh We use a little bit of a uh, Hallertau Blanc and then, of course, uh, some of the noble varieties for some of our more traditional beers. But we haven't really been using much of their uh, kind of new hops that they've been coming out with.
0: So not, not really using uh, Mandarin uh, Bavaria or anything like that, uh, or any of the UK hops in particular. Yeah. I mean, we'll use a little bit here
2: or there, but they're not, um, they're not the big heavyweights like a Citra or
0: Mosaic are for us. Right. And have, did you, uh, have you tried the uh, HBC 438 or Sabro as, uh, as new name? Have you been using that one or tried that one yet?
2: We used it a little bit before it was named in uh, we liked it, but it, it also can be a little polarizing, too. I know talking to some people, uh, they're not as into that one, but I do enjoy kind of the nice uh, cedary uh,
0: flavor that you can get out of it. Yeah, so it's a nice, nice uh, mix-up with some of the big juicies, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, well, John, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. I'm going to ask Steve a few more questions about Hopsphere, but we really appreciate your taking time out of your schedule to uh, – be on our podcast here
2: yeah of course thank you for having me and thank you for uh, just having such great customer support as well as uh, just making growing some uh, awesome hops up there
1: hey hey John we wish you nothing but good hops wh- whether it's making beer or baseball either way
2: thank you take care guys you bet
0: take care John so Steve I know mm-hmm. you're uh, you're headed down to Idaho you're gonna see uh, Mike gooding on his birthday right one of our, our uh, favorite growers and uh, longtime uh, Part of the hop growing
1: community. Mike, Mike is an icon in the hop community. He's having one of those zero birthdays, so uh, uh, Pete and I are actually going to go down, and uh, the girls are having a, a big uh, celebration for him tomorrow night. And looking forward uh. to uh, congratulating Mike and uh, thanking him for uh, being part of our uh, hop growing community for uh, a lot of years. Please
0: please, uh, obviously give them my regards and our regards. But it would be nice to go down to Idaho. It's it's been a pretty decent growing environment there as well, right? A little bit of heat, but overall okay, right?
1: Yeah, it has. Uh, We were down there about a month ago, and things were off to a good start. Um, And I'm looking forward to uh, checking in. And and, uh, Pete and I probably won't get a chance to be down there together Until uh, right before harvest, uh, with our pre-grower or pre-harvest grower meetings down there, so uh, we're going to look at some hops uh, before Mike's uh, celebration and uh, see if we can't come up with some data for a a crop estimate for uh, uh, this year's crop.
0: Well, if anybody
1: down there has any extra CTZ,
0: please buy it uh, because it feels like uh, the alpha market is staying very robust. So. Uh, for those uh, three of our three people that are listening to our podcast on a regular basis, (laughs) uh, get, get your CTZ, get your alpha purchase because it feels pretty robust. We're still seeing some, some really uh, good and strong inquiries for uh, bittering hops for alpha in particular. So um, that part of the market stays very robust. And I think it's the same thing we've been talking about for several weeks now or months even. And that is, uh, it's not that the de- the demand itself is, is crazily strong for alpha. It's just that with so many U.S. hop farmers growing dual-purpose or aroma hops, the supply has shrunk. And uh, uh, the alpha market or the, the, the buyers of alpha got a little bit um, – uh, I don't want to say complacent because some of them are very proactive, but some of them got a little bit uh, – Uh, uh, um, over-complacent in the sense of thinking that maybe the the prices will just stay down forever and uh, the market seems to be turning uh, a little bit and staying strong for the time being. So, yeah, if you find some CTZ, get some bought when you're down,
1: Steve. Our uh, friends uh, in Idaho do a wonderful job of growing CTZ, so we'll keep our, our eyes open down there. And another interesting thing that, that uh, I think might affect uh, the alpha market was, as we go forward is uh, our latest reports in from Germany. Um, uh, they, they did receive a little bit of rainfall here recently, but the crop still appears to be significantly ahead of uh, where it normally is. Um, we don't know for sure. That, that could translate into some early bloom and we do know in the Hollertal region, which is the largest region, they seem to be experiencing a little bit of uh, mite and uh, powdery mildew pressure earlier in the season than they normally do. So it's still early, uh, but uh, I think it's a uh, reason to be uh, a little bit cautious about what the uh, German crop's going to look like this year. Yep. Yep. Well,
0: thanks, Steve. Uh, we will uh, see you when you get back from Idaho, and uh, let's uh, let's hope the Mariners keep winning, and uh, the Twins can find some uh, some uh, some victories here and there as a, a beat up team. But uh, the Mariners are the fun one; that's the exciting one so far this year. So it's hopefully, a, they keep it up.
1: It's a good year so far. We're gonna enjoy it while we can, and uh, hope for the best. Uh, haven't given up hope yet for that uh, Twins. Uh, Uh, mariner playoff game but uh the twins got to do their job and uh start start winning some ball games
0: you got it all right well take care you too bye